Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Beauty is embarrassing, is funny, irreverent, joyful, inspiring documentary that features the life and current times of America's, one of America's most important artists. Wayne White. Raised in the mountains of Tennessee, Wayne White started his career as a cartoonist in New York City. He quickly found success as one of the creators of one of the best TV shows of all time, Pee-wee's Playhouse, which led to more work designing and some of the most arresting iconic images in pop culture. Acting as a, his own narrator, Wayne guides us through his life using moments from his latest creations, hilarious uh, biographical one-man show, um, and uh, other parts of this. We are joined today by the writer, producer, cinematographer, and director of Beauty is Embarrassing, as well as the artist Wayne White, but the director, Neil Berkeley. Neil Welk and Wayne, welcome to Film School. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. And I, boy, uh, this is one for the archives, the, uh, the butchering of the, uh, of, we made it. The journey is, 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 we're here. And thank you so much again for joining us. Um, I'm going to start with Neil. Um, what was it about uh, Wayne? What was it that compelled you to, uh, to get to the point where you thought, you know, I need, I want to do a documentary about him and his work? One with the southern accent. Case you're wondering. Yeah, well, I met Wayne about 12 years ago, and you know, I get I get that question asked a lot, and he inspired me. I mean, his resume alone. If you look at the work he's done, anyone my age has been impacted by what he's created. Pee-wee's Playhouse, Bigman's World, the videos, the, the fine art. I mean, it seems like everything he ever did was pointed at my generation. Yeah. Um, so when I met him, I knew. He, 12 years ago that somebody should do something about this. Someone should document what this guy's done. And then I got to know him and realized that not only is there a great uh, resume, but the person behind all that is also incredibly compelling and inspiring. So I, uh, I was talking to a lot of people about it, but I kind of shut up about that four years ago and kept it to myself because I knew that one day I'd get to pick up a camera and try and make this happen. Well, Wayne, uh, Wayne White, what uh, trepidations, if any, or what was your expectations going into this project, uh, uh, being filmed in your home and your in your, your with your work? Any, what were the sort of uh, feelings you had going into this? Well, at first, I was uh, I didn't take it very seriously, and I thought it wasn't a good idea. I didn't think there was that much drama in my life, and. <laughs> Usually uh, documentaries about individuals are kind of dark and exploitative and they dig up stuff and, you know, and mm -hmm. I felt like uh, I was a little paranoid about doing it. But then, of course, my artist ego gave in <laughs> and my trust and, um, and, like, and, and my like, liking Neil just as a person uh, sort of convinced me that this was the guy to tell my story. And um, so... As far as like um, feeling um, those feelings of paranoia, they quickly evaporated because Neil and I uh, formed a friendship along with creating a movie together. And uh, I feel um, I felt a little vulnerable at first, but uh, 
I was honest with Neil, and he was honest with me, and it all worked out. And here we are three years later premiering our, our movie in New York City. What could be better? What could be better? Well, and, and by the way, uh, it is premiering t- uh, today. I have this written down. Trust me. It's, uh, you're, you're going to be – am I getting this right? You're right you're, tonight you're at the um, IFC Center or, or FC, right. IFC Center in New York City. I- uh, yes. At uh, the uh, 625, 830, and 10:30 shows, the two of you will be there. We're, yeah, we're going to be there doing Q and A after all of those shows. It's actually playing all day and all weekend until the 14th. But Wayne and I will be there tonight, and then we get on a plane first thing tomorrow morning to head back to LA because it's also premiering at the brand new Sundance Cinema in West Hollywood right. tonight. Right. Um, Wayne's wife, Mimi Pond, executive producer Morgan Neville, are going to be there for Q and A's all night. And then tomorrow, Wayne and I will be in West Hollywood doing Q&As at all of the evening shows at the Sundance Cinema. That's awesome. It also premieres in Seattle. It also premieres in Seattle as well? Is that what you said? Yeah. Tonight. Yeah, people do listen from all over the country, so uh, please run over. uh, If you're in the New York area, uh, check this out um, tonight at the IFC Center. And, yeah, I was thinking about it when I was looking at this. That's why I was questioning, wait a minute, you're going to hop on a plane. You're going to take the red eye to get out here, or you Uh just – and and then be – uh, in town uh, on the eighth, or to uh, to do Q and A. But tonight, as you said, uh, your wife Mimi Pond, as well as the producer um, Morgan Neville, will be at the shows at the Sundance. For those uh, in LA who remember this, this is, was the Sunset Five, and now it's become the the Sundance Cinema Sunset. Um, terrific theater. Yeah, and they, they've done a beautiful job of renovating that. It's got plush seats. Uh, you know, you have your own seat with the ticket. They've got a bar. Uh, which is really good for you can our drink movie. beer. <laughs> yeah, drink beer from a real glass. <laughs> is that right? Oh, good. Well, well, I uh, yes. if uh, I'd love to see you guys. Uh, I may be able to make it up tomorrow night to 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 check this out. Uh, I just love this film. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, Wayne. Um, one of the things, one of the reasons this film works so well is not only for me familiar with your work but not familiar with who did this work uh big fan of peewees huge fan of peewees playhouse but also the other things that i've seen your work and really honest honestly to my shame didn't realize who you were and then to see it in this documentary and so well presented and you're such an open person i i uh, i imagine you had some trepidations because it seems that you are just somebody and you even expressed it, it, it early on in the film uh about your use of a certain four-letter word we can't say on the air here, uh, that you fe- yeah. feared that it might be used to, 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 uh, to show some sort of cynical side of you or something. And, uh, but it, you obviously opened up beautifully, and your family did as well in this film. Um, just, just great. Great to see you and meet you this Thank way. You. Um, Neil, um, what were some of the challenges that you, in putting this together, sort of, for, for someone like myself, who's, who, as I said, familiar with the work, but not necessarily so much with Wayne's uh, as uh, being the person behind it, um, was, there, was, there, was that part of the equation? Was that one of the reasons you wanted to, uh, to make this documentary? And then... Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest challenge was just getting it done. You know, I, I talked to a lot of people about the movie before I even picked up a camera, and there really wasn't a lot of interest. Uh, people just didn't see the story and didn't see what was going to be compelling. They, they didn't see what I saw. Mm-hmm. So I had to go out and buy a camera and start shooting this thing on my own. I shot by myself for almost a year with no 
there was never any lighting crew or audio people. It was always just me and Wayne. And then luckily a year into it, about eight months into it, uh, Chris Bradley came along. Mm -hmm. And then it was just me and Chris for two years. He, he would edit, I would shoot, and we would just, you know, just building this story. Um, Morgan Neville came on board eventually. Eddie Schmidt, Tim Rutilli did the music. So yeah. the team did come together, Kevin but it was Clover. always Kevin Clover did the, the, the polish on the edit. Yeah. And um, it was always a very small group of people, but just getting it done. I also own a business. My company did all the animation that you saw right. in the uh, in the movie. Right. Uh, I do motion graphics. So, I, you know, I was running a company from 9 to 5 and shooting with Wayne the rest of the time, flying around the country. So finding the time and just physically putting this thing on my shoulders and making it happen, that was the, the biggest challenge. Well, Neil, was this a self-financed, or did you get some financing when some of these other people came in, Morgan and some others, did they start finding money for it you? Was, uh, it was uh, friends and family, family, and then also my very good friend, Barb McDonough, came on to be executive producer. Okay. And I couldn't have done it without him. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, and the response has been terrific. Uh, obviously, um, the, uh, the the festival circuit's been, been kind uh, to you. Um, very. Was, what, what, just as you were saying just a second ago about people didn't seem to, to understand what you saw initially. Yeah. Um, was it difficult getting distribution, or or once people got an opportunity to see the film, did all that sort of clear up and become an easier path for yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, you could say that we got our distribution right out of, of South by Southwest, where we had the world premiere. I mean, it took a while to close those deals. Um, but, you know, we're, we're doing theatrical myself. My company's putting it out in theaters. We did Kickstarter, raised a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, we're in 20, 25 cities, and Wayne's going to be at a lot of those dates. You can go to beautiesembarrassing.com and see where we're going to be because next week we're going to the Bay Area, we're in Pasadena, right. Austin, D.C., Houston, all over the place. But that's all self-distribution. But um, New Video is going to put us on their docurama label to do our DVD and iTunes and Netflix. Time Warner is going to put us on VOD. PBS Independent Lens is going to air the movie in January. And all those deals, even though they took four months to complete, uh, that all came out of South by Southwest. So we hit the ground running. Yeah, you really did, and that's an impressive array of platforms that you've managed to uh, to to get get into. That's that's terrific, and and it's that's, just that's what I'm told. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. I this, mean, this is, this is my first movie, so I don't really, I, I don't know all the players. People are always saying, "Wow, you're really doing good," and I have to say, "Oh, am, am I?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, well. Yes, you are, Neil. <laughs> and by the way, wait. Uh, I want to talk a, a little bit about sort of how I knew you from uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Tell our listeners a little bit about sort of how that came together. And in the film, it comes off as just, I mean, the time of your life doing what you wanted to do. But tell us a little bit about the New York experience and then coming here to Los Angeles to, to finish up. Uh, the, the Pee Wee's Playhouse. The uh, just w how that all came about, and sure. Well, the the first season of Pee Wee's Playhouse was done in New York City, right. primarily because uh, a company that was very hot at the time, Broadcast Arts. They were a very hip, trendy place. They had just done all the early MTV logos, which were a huge smash. Right. They did lots of. Uh, Lots of really hip, crazy, popular commercials. They were red hot. So, and Pee Wee was red hot. He had just come off the movie uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Tim Burton's first feature. So, Broadcast Starts got the contract from CBS to do the Pee Wee's Playhouse show 
1986. And um, for some reason, economics or whatever, they decided not to do it on a soundstage, but on a reconverted loft yeah. on Lower Broadway near Canal Street in New York City. It used to be a sweatshop. When we moved in, there were literally sewing machines and stuff left over. So we built and reconverted this loft into a soundstage, which was a very painful uh, process. You know, you had to ha hang sound blankets over the window. The ceilings were too low. The lighting was bearing down on the set in a crazy kind of way. It was a filthy, dirty uh, environment. You know, it was, you know, it, it's an old building in New York. And But we set doing it and the thing was that we were all doing our jobs for the first time we were a bunch of downtown new york artists and sculptors and underground cartoonists and so it was a bit of a struggle to pull it all together and a learning process for all of us but it came together and i think that's the, one of the powers of the playhouse was that it just it was a downtown new york art project that just happened to get on national television and uh, I was, uh, along with Gary Panner and Rick Heitzman, uh, one of the designers of the show, and my specialty was the puppets, and I built a lot of the puppets and did some of the set design. Randy and Dirty Dog. And then the next year... Yeah, Randy, Randy, yeah, smoking's cool, boys and guys. Yeah, Dirty Dog. Yes. Boy, it's really hard to go from high to low like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, and I became a a performer on the show, much to my surprise. I thought I was originally only going to be a designer. But Paul Rubens had such a nice, open attitude towards creativity and was open-minded about uh, letting people uh, bust through their labels and genres. And it was open to me doing it as a performer. And luckily for me, I got into the Screen Actors Guild. And I became a, set a professional set designer overnight. And it opened all these new doors. And so we moved to moved the production the next year in 87 to Los Angeles, and it got a little more upscale. But we were on a real soundstage. The set became twice as big. But very professional puppet builders rebuilt all the puppets. And I, got, I kept the design intact, but the, the actual mechanics of the puppets became much better and easier to use. And so we stayed, uh, and we did the last three or four seasons in, including the Christmas special in Los Angeles. Yeah. So it was kind of a journey from gritty downtown New York art making to uh, big time Hollywood glamour and showbiz. But the Playhouse retained its charm and its craziness all through it. Well, it's such a it was such a well made. Uh, I I didn't know I wouldn't have been able to tell you the difference between New York and L.A. by looking at it. It always looked great. It always we were yes yeah we what? were careful to keep the look and feel of it. You know, going. Yeah. Always careful on that. And I know Paul's taken some hits over the years for some things that have happened and all. But I'll tell you, for 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 the children and all of us, it, it, to this day, I still think it's one of the just. It's just such a, a, a an amazing work of art in the sense that how did this happen? And, and as the film so beautifully describes, uh, beauty uh, beauty is embarrassing. The film uh, Neil Neil Berkeley's film that it, how. Uh, this little bubble uh, with these artists and the people who were able to provide this space for you, you're able to pull it together. And it, to this day, it still remains one of the really, really one of the touchstones for, for television in my mind. And uh, congratulations. And But th that wasn't the end of it, certainly. I want to talk with Neil a, a little bit uh, about um, moving forward. Um, uh, many people 
don't know all the other things that Wayne White has been responsible for uh, and the controversy that surrounded some of the early work that you did with your paintings uh, and such. Um, was there, uh, when, in doing the film, Neil, did you encounter people who still felt sort of resistance to the kind of work that, that uh, Neil has, I mean, that, I'm sorry, that Wayne has done over the years? Was there, uh, it seemed that there was some backlash when he first started doing the, the painting with the, with the um, landscaping. Well, I mean, I guess there was critical backlash. I think a, a great way to describe Wayne's work is it's very approachable. Yes. I mean, anyone at, from any walk of life or any region of the country can find something appealing in them, whether it's the the craft and the way he puts the paint on the canvas and actually creates the work, whether it's the landscape that he's using as a background that people have seen in their dentist's office and above their grandmother's couch <laughs> their entire life. I mean, you put those paintings, or, or the, the content of the text itself, what he's saying. Yeah. You put those in front of anyone, and everyone reacts. There's never that shrug that some people might give a piece of fine art in a gallery. Um, there's always some sort of reaction. Plus, Wayne's art, you know, beyond that, the sculpture and the things, the installations he does, they're very interactive. They're like big children's toys that, that we all remember and want to, you know, be a part of. So yeah. I wasn't really worried about critics. I wasn't worried about what the fine art world said. I made a movie that I wanted a lot of people to go see. So, you know, while Wayne hasn't been embraced by certain aspects of the art world, I think the people, the masses, the people out where I'm trying to reach and he's trying to reach, they dig it. You know, they, they yeah. get it. So that's, they may, there may have been a challenge for some, but they understand it. And that, that, that makes me happy. Yeah. And, and one of the things that the film points out, and, and as Wayne, you talk about, is this introduction of humor uh, you know, this sort yeah. of dour, staid attitude that uh, people who, aficionados, if you will, if that's the right word to use in this circumstance, of of the high art, uh, tend to uh, dismiss. And so much of your work, it's just, it's, you get a, you're a smile watching uh, and looking at, at uh, your performances, uh, the laughter, genuine laughter in it, and uh, my God, we can always use more, I love comedy and we can always do more of it and Wayne I just I I'm so grateful for this film for un opening the door to the other things that you've been a part of um, including going back home I want to talk a little bit about that when the time we have remaining going back to Tennessee and um, Mike um, whose last name just escaped me uh, your friend Mike Quinn. Mike Quinn Mike Quinn and Mike Quinn yeah and, and that the connection that you've maintained and not only with your with the place you grew up, but with him. Just beautiful part of the film. I really enjoyed that. Tell us a little bit about the, the your growing up in Tennessee and the effect it had on your art. Well, I'm a, I'm a blue collar kid from Chattanooga, Tennessee. My daddy worked at the Chattanooga Nylon Factory, and so I may be I'm not sure, but I think I'm an unusual candidate for a fine artist that's lived in New York City and Los Angeles. I, I was not surrounded by art and culture as a kid. I grew up in a very macho, southern, sports-oriented culture. Little boys played football and baseball. They didn't draw pictures and make paintings or think about art. There was no art museums or galleries. There was no mentors. There was no artists. Yeah. So I grew up drawing, though. I, I just naturally took to drawing. Nobody had to encourage me. It was something that was just born in me. Yeah. And my earliest memories are of drawing. I think that, and, and I always saw drawing and picture making as a way to entertain myself. And then later when I went to school, I found out I could entertain other people with it. And it gave me an identity to survive in the tough world of elementary, junior high, and high school. Mm -hmm. 
So art to me was almost a survival technique, and and it's always been sort of a form of self-entertainment and something how and uh, entertain and humor is entertainment. So they're all like intertwined and, yeah. and, and, and intrinsic to me, an organic part of me. And being from the South is also a very big part of my of my uh, character. Uh, I carry the South with me wherever I go, like it or not. It's it's humor. Yeah. It's a tradition of storytelling, and also the sense of defiance of being an outsider. You know, Southerners are often looked down upon, and there's a certain prejudice against Southerners, and they feel that. You know, there's a lot of um, it's it's open season on Southerners at, at all times. So yeah. there's a sense of like a, there's a, I, I carry that sense of defiance with me too, of like having to prove myself. Yeah. And I think all artists need a sort of that sort of that fighting spirit, you know, because it's tough to be an artist in our culture. Absolutely. Well, I, unfortunately, I've just completely run out of time here. I want to let our listeners know <laughs> that uh, the film uh, Beauty is Embarrassing is opening tonight in um, New York City as well as Los Angeles. In New York, you can see it at the IFC Center in New York City as well as the Sunset Cinema so, sorry, Sundance. Sundance. Sundance yeah. Cinema Sunset <laughs> in West Hollywood. Uh, and in New York, you'll be able to, to shake hands and, and talk to uh, Wayne White and uh, Neil Berkeley. Uh, and, and tonight, you can um, catch up with Wayne's wife, Mimi Pond, and the producer, Morgan Neville. And starting tomorrow night at the Sundance Cinema, you'll see Wayne and Neil um, Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. I just uh, I. Forum in Seattle. In the film forum in Seattle. I so look forward to the opportunity to uh, shake your hand. Both of you, I just love this movie. Wayne, I am, I am honored to have you on uh, and uh, both of you, but I just uh, think the world of what you've done with your lives and uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Uh, take thank care. Fun. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.